special episode of Talking Tropes. That's right. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And happy Life Day. Because <laughs> we're doing Star Wars. It's, it's a Christmas palooza. It's a Star Wars Christmas special. Whoa! Uh, as always, I'm David. And I'm Hannah. And we actually have a really special guest today, too, because we're pulling out all the stops. It's a palooza. It's a palooza. <laughs> David, would you like to introduce our guest? Yeah, we have uh, my former roommate, Mitch, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hi. Woo! Hi, everyone. Yeah, thank you so Hi, much Mitch, for having me. Hi, Mitch. We're so me. glad to have you here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate uh, being on the podcast. Uh, I actually um, prepared something uh, for the podcast, um, if, uh, if I could share that with everyone real quick. <clears throat> yeah, sounds great. All right, hear me out, guys. Okay. In The Last Jedi, Luke was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> he was killed when Kylo Ren attacked the Jedi Academy a decade ago. Luke didn't know how to turn into a ghost like Yoda and Obi-Wan did. Never learned that trick. So he was lost in some magical force plane of existence. It couldn't really materialize before people. That's why he couldn't save Han. He couldn't kill Snoke, etc. He could only project visions into people's minds in one particular place in the galaxy that is strong with the Force. So we're seeing Rey on this island, having visions about Luke, and Luke struggling to materialize himself as a Force ghost. He's not really there. We're seeing everything from Ray's point of view, only visions of Luke. That's why we don't say, see Luke talking with Chewie, because Chewie can't see him. R2 is the closest oh sentient being to Luke when he died a decade before. So some part of Luke was in R2, which is why R2 was broken in The Force Awakens. Luke Skywalker <laughs> is not some asshole that doesn't care about his friends. <laughs> He's a confused ghost that's disconnected <laughs> from the universe of the living. Then once he's able to figure out how to project his ghost to the world of the living, he immediately goes and saves everyone. <laughs> okay, is that all of it? I I mean, obviously, I I think there's some there's some real uh, there's some 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 real legitimacy here. I think JJ J, you know I I had a call oh with gosh. JJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I had a call with JJ about the movie, and I was like, <laughs> everyone seems to hate Luke being an asshole, but you, you can't blame him. He's he's a confused ghost. He's a confused ghost. ghost. It's it's so good. This is a fan theory from r slash fan theories, right? And it it, it went viral uh, so, yeah, some weeks I, ago. I like vaguely remembered like that first line, like "What if Luke was a ghost the whole time?" Right. You know, but it's a classic. I, it's a classic. Uh, you know, Shyamalan twist. Right. Right. Know? It's exactly <laughs> six cents. <laughs> For, for sharing oh that with my us. God. Oh, I mean, I think it shows something, right? About the, the fandom and about the criticisms of a lot of these movies. 
Oh and my god. Just the general Star Warsiness of it. I I think that's one of the things that you get most from the response to The Rise of Skywalker is that e- even more so than like some of the other big culminations uh that you've had this year in like pop culture with Avengers Endgame uh Game of Thrones season 8 mm-hmm. uh Star Wars is a series that is just so many things to so many different people and right. that like trying to tie it all in uh all in one movie all at the end uh it's 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 rubbing people all kinds of ways you, you, there's there's people who love it there's people who hate it there's people who are who 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 feel both ways about it. Um, so to start, let's talk about the reaction to this latest Star Wars film. This is going to be heavy on spoilers to begin with, and uh, we're going to provide a timestamp that you can jump ahead to if you want to avoid spoilers. Yes, it will be here now. To avoid spoilers, skip to timestamp forty-five minutes forty seconds. Great. Okay, that redemption arc, though. <laughs> that was that's what it's all about, right, Mitch? What, what did you think of the Kylo Ren redeemed? Um, is he redeemed? First of all, uh, I think it, it's Kylo Ren's redemption. I mean, it's it's hard not to compare his redemption to Darth Vader's redemption to because Vader, yeah. sort of yeah. throughout the series, it is comparing Kylo Ren to Darth Vader very overtly in The Force Awakens. You know, having Vader's mask uh, sort of like destroyed both in Force Awakens and then again in rise of skywalker i mean i think it's i think it's sold uh uh convincingly on a on an emotional level uh in terms of combining his uh redemption with you know an emotional uh death for leia that it is that you know you see kylo ren's con- you know connection to uh, uh leia being the central thing yeah so, so did you interpret that as like his his mother is is the one bringing him back to the side of good just by saying like uh, you're a disappointment and I'm dead? Like, <laughs> what is what is really what what is her function in Kylo's redemption? I mean, I think uh, you know in in the Force Awakens, uh, you know there there's sort of a, a slight inversion of. The oh you know the hero having the call towards uh, the dark side where it's no Kylo Ren is 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 feeling the pull of the light the pull of the good side the pull yeah. of the light and uh, and you see that also reflected in uh, towards the beginning of the Last Jedi when he refuses to fire on the bridge because he knows that Leia is there and it it right. seems like you know it's not the first time that. Uh, you know, he has had to uh, confront um, his relationship with Leia and how that represents, like, the, the goodness still in him. Um, yeah, I, I think that's right. But I also think, because this is my interpretation of what happened, is when he says the line to... It's not really a ghost of Han Solo, it's just his memory of him. When he's talking, sort of having an internal dialogue, um, and he says, you know, I have no place to go home to now. It's it's implying a change because Leia's dead. And so to me what that represents is that he always assumed that he could just, 
you know, say he was sorry and go back, that that was always an option because Leia is just this totally, you know, accepting, forgiving mother, and that she would take him back no matter what, how, how many bad things he did. But because of that, he's liberated to do as many bad things as he wants. Mm -hmm. So once she's gone and he realizes he no longer has a place to go back to, he realizes that all of his actions and his choices are his own. So that was my interpretation. He had no one left to rebel against, basically. And, right. He had no one left to rebel against, and but also nowhere to return to. Mm -hmm. So he just has to, you know... Figure something out. There's no home... It's just, you have to do what's right. Right. And and this is also developing at the same time we get a similar type of struggle within Rey of... Right. Uh, trying. she yeah. also doesn't have a home to return to. Yeah, she's been searching for a home this entire time and then finds out at the beginning of this movie that uh, what she thought was going to be her place in the universe turns out to be pure evil the embodiment of everything <laughs> that is dark and horrible yeah. and wrong with uh with the force and with the universe and uh and they and they ultimately have to uh, uh find their own family uh you know right. with ray taking on her new family name work. it's just it feels so transparently anti last jedi yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it in a weird way, this this whole sequel trilogy is so defined by The Last Jedi and what it says right. about its characters and what it says about Star Wars that like right. it sandwiched around it are these, you know, perfectly acceptable, uh, uh, safe Star Wars movies that are entertaining and have characters that you but like watching. Right, but but are also basically almost carbon copies of their original trilogy right, the, like counterparts. Force Awakens was uh, yes a, a, a rehash of a New Hope, but Last Jedi was sort of a reverse, both right. in order and in structure. Right, like I'm saying, aside from Last Jedi, Last Jedi was interesting. It like I don't think it was wholly successful, but it was trying to do a lot more than your traditional Star Wars film does. And then Maybe. I think I don't know. I think it's very similar to Empire. It's just <sighs> it's done like flip backwards. Sure. Instead of beginning the movie like defending a, a, a rebel base uh -huh. and then spending the end of the movie fleeing, this is they open the movie fleeing and at the end they're defending a rebel base. Okay. You know, w whereas you know at the beginning of the movie, uh, you know of of Empire Strikes Back, mm -hmm. you know Luke is you know, looking for a teacher right. and, you know, hoping to become... Well, I guess Ray is also doing that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but but here, the, the pull to the dark side is, like, based solely around the discovery that she doesn't have a significant parental. Right, You know, exactly. it's a subversion. Uh, yeah. So, but it is still very much... A, right, right. I, yes, I, I would say, yeah, it definitely takes a lot of beats from Empire, but I think thematically it's very different from the other Star Wars films. I think mm. I think The Force Awakens has more to say, than right. almost, like, ideologically, than kind of any other Star Wars film out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just going to put my cards out on the table. Uh, I love The Last yeah, Jedi. Fair. I think it may be my favorite Star Wars film. I think, uh, both in terms of 
uh, you know, bold decisions that, uh, you know, move the franchise into what I thought was going to be a new, a new, a new uh, like, like a new, a new yeah. mindset and a, a whole new universe of possibilities, you know, boldly declaring that, uh, that that the force resides in anybody, and, and that it's it's not just about the the, these, the families of the Skywalkers and the Palpatines. That it, it, it's it's a much midichlorians. Yeah, it, I mean, and I think it's fine to tell the story of these you know intertwining families and how their uh, their conflicts within themselves. Uh, erupt into conflicts that uh, uh, you know ensnare the fate right. of the galaxy, but I think I think with the the Ray, Luke, and Kylo Ren plot of uh, you know dealing with the realities of the past in that universe, the failures of the Jedi, the inability of Luke to uh, you know ultimately put away palpatine but we didn't know that yet and, uh, and 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 Why is he still alive and his failure to raise a new generation of jedi is you know that that drives him into uh uh into self-imposed right. exile uh it's it's how do you how do you deal with that uh those failures and move forward and build something new from it a new identity for yourself personally if you're ray a new identity for the series if you're ryan johnson making the movie uh a new uh uh future for the galaxy that's built upon uh it, you right know, this more democratized the, 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 that you that you build out in the b plot with uh finn and rose really you know grounding themselves and this is what we're fighting for and this is why we need to win, and this is why we need to lift everyone up together. Or I think Rose, that's a, she needs a redemption arc. Like, that is, like, the <laughs> biggest, like, fuck you that I've ever seen in history. And and it's so it's so horrible to the actress, who literally was bullied offline. Yeah. And then, so, they just, like, validated all of that bullying by cutting her role into, like, like, featured extra, basically. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so tough. Like... The clearly, you know, the last Jedi had a lot of creative risks to it. Mm-hmm. That you know, you can debate whether they paid off or not, right? But I mean, the the series ultimately has to remain a safe corporate product. What I wanted to happen was it for it to go even further. Right. I wanted, I wanted Ray to turn to the dark side at some point. Oh, legitimately. I you know and then have her be redeemed and then have her be redeemed. I agree. That's much Kylo, more interesting. You know, together, you know, to show their connection. But instead, it you know, it became sort of like a, you know, uh, um, not a Romeo and Juliet. It's exactly. a forbidden love. It's a forbidden like, love. It's it's Edward and Bella. You know, it is very Edward and Bella. Like, except all, for all the people I know who are like Raylo shippers are like huge Twilight, like former Twilight right. fans. Myself included. I like <laughs> the Twilight huge... movies, and I am a Raylo. Oh boy! Um, God damn. So I was satisfied. I'm gonna have to leave. 
I was we sad. I liked I liked the kiss. What do you, what do you uh, want from me? Uh, um, what, what what did you think of the the, the, the kiss, kiss. match? It's it's. I mean, I thought they 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 built up to it reasonably well. I appreciated that they continued and expanded on the uh, connection uh, yeah. that they have uh, through the force. They're a dyad. Uh, it it it, ge- it gives. Know. You said they're a dyad. Yeah, I mean, light and dark. Except for they're, they're both light like, at the end, so oh, it's not like it would be cool if, as a dyad, which would suggest that when one turns good, the other must therefore turn evil. evil. That would be something interesting. Oh, yeah. um, but and that they must destroy is. each other and both be destroyed equally. It's like a very Harry something. Voldemort sort of right. thing. Oh, and also, Harry Potter should have turned evil. God damn it. <laughs> Why is Hollywood so afraid of making the good guys the bad, the bad guys. guys? Well, yeah. it's because kids are watching. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you gotta sell toys also. Well, yeah. we'll get to that, though. I think there were... I, I think there genuinely were, you know, more stakes to... Uh, Ray's flirtation with the dark side in this movie than you see with, say, Luke in uh, yes. uh, Return of the Jedi. Because for the vast That's majority true. of that movie, there, there's not really a concern that uh, Luke uh, Luke will turn to the dark side. There, the, the main concern in uh, The Empire Strikes Back is that he is rash and impulsive and that will endanger himself and his friends. Uh, whereas you don't really get the, the sense that there's some sort of like overwhelming desire for, for power or even like an undercurrent of him, you know, wanting that power and, and, and you don't get a ton of like anger and rage building in him up until the scene in the throne room where, um, Darth Vader starts mocking him and says, you know, maybe if you won't turn, then Leia will. And he starts uh, mm. he starts beating beating down on him and uh, cutting off his hand. But he, but even then, yeah. we see a glimpse of it before he says, "No, I am a Jedi like my father." Whereas in in the Rise of Skywalker, you get uh, it, it's it's more centrally defined on Rey's parentage, and so the reveal of uh, Ray being uh, Ray being a Palpatine, while it does, I think, undermine some of what happens <laughs> in such a such a terrible like phrase. Every like, time I hear it, I I'm cringe. A Palpatine, a Palpatine, all oh, the many Palpatines. My name's Ray Palpatine. Oh I work God. for an accounting firm called Palpatine and Palpatine. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you watch the movie? Her name is Ray Skywalker. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, see, that was so interesting to me as like a resolution of her arc because yeah. you can interpret it one of two ways. The the first way, which I think is the funniest way, is that. <laughs> She's married into the family oh, with her with kiss to ben, to ben Solo. Oh my that god! Somehow that me makes her a Skywalker, Skywalker. through oh my love. God. The other one that's even worse <laughs> is that because Luke and Leia are coming out when she's thinking about her parentage and her namesake, so that Ray becomes a love child of. Luke and Leia, their incestuous oh love, God. turns into the like sort of, you know, 
out of nowhere child. Spontaneous. So that they're able to conceive a child without... The gross incest part. The gross part. incest part. What do you think of that theory? How's that for a goddamn fan <laughs> theory? incest Jesus. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of that? I mean, bitch? it's... Uh, it's... <laughs> In, I thought We've I thought him. incest Jesus was Anakin with uh, Palpatine also, birthing yeah. Anakin with himself the Force and Shmi Skywalker, uh, but <laughs> I, I mean, love that her name is Shmi. Shmi. I know. I keep thinking because she's owned by Disney now that Shmi and Shmi <laughs> will go on a pirate ship together. Oh in my space. god! I love this retcon. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, wait. This is a an entire total divergence, but the uh, the freaking like pirate dude who like smuggles them. Uh, <laughs> is that Lando? Lando's disguised as disguised as the pirate dude. Wait, what pirate dude? Oh, he looks like a pirate. On, on Kasana, the... like right the desert, like, in, the on beginning Planet of India. Yeah, yeah. On Planet India, yes. Uh, there <laughs> I, was. I was like, this design is straight out of Treasure Planet. Like, <laughs> what's going on here? That was Lando. Yeah, it was Lando. Yeah, yeah. I'm honestly still caught up on the whole uh, Ray and uh, Ben posthumously uh, being married. It's just making me imagine, like. <laughs> And just just making me imagine, like if the if the third act of this movie was just written like the Fault in Our Stars, where it's just yeah. uh, Ben is dying and and she's like, no, but we have our infinity together. We are a dyad in the Force. Uh, but that's what it is, right? But that's exactly what things. it is. It's so teen romance. Right. It's exactly teen because romance. Because sure, she was trained separately by Luke and Leia, but when she says, I am Rey Skywalker, it's yeah. supposed to be that she's like carrying on their legacy. Yeah. But also they're like right next to each other and I they're know. her parents. It's weird. I what I what I really hate about it again is I, I think like that was my biggest disappointment with this movie. Uh, besides Rose getting no screen time, was just that, like, the entire thing is just a refutation of everything that The Force Awakens, or not The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi was, like, trying to say. Well, I mean, no, it's, I think they could have, they probably had this ending in mind before they even decided that she would be a Palpatine. Because the whole thing is, it's her choosing a name, even though she is Rey from nowhere. But, but why do you have to become a Skywalker to be someone important? No, it's a symbolic the... thing, like, she's found a family, she's found parents when she never had parents. Right, but, I don't know. Like, it, it just, it rang out as so contrived and, like, a lot, I, feel I like just a, didn't I, like I heard it. that a lot of people booed at that moment. Um, Our theater groaned a little bit. There's a little bit of groaning. Did know. you experience that at my, that moment? I don't know if my theater. Uh, I think, I think my theater. I only, I only got a lot of uh, of indication when people just kind of like awkwardly shuffled out of the theater, and you could tell that nobody in there really agreed on on <laughs> on a whole lot, which I feel like is is sort of true in general. That there's there's so much here that. It, that from all, pulling from all of Star Wars, that you know some of it you're gonna like, some of it you're not gonna like, and and it's just up to it's just up to us to try and figure out what figure out what to think about this movie because there is so much in it that is pulling from on so many disparate threads, so many disparate corners. I think when it comes to uh, Ray's resolution, I think. 
it is a refutation of The Last Jedi in that it refutes the, uh, you know, Ray from nowhere, like genuinely Ray from nowhere, that this person right. who has no, ostensibly no greater relevance, um, this person who right. ha- does, does not come from a, an influential family, doesn't have the sort of background that would, would you know, naturally put you in at the center of the galaxy you know with the the fate of the universe that even they can be strong with the force and that you know it it exists within all of us the broom kid though like there there are chosen ones like like anakin was a chosen one but he still came from nowhere he was the son of a slave and literally nobody right um and also it's unclear whether that's actually canonical that he was a virgin birth you know there's debate in the but i mean that's and this is where like all the the fan theories came in which was as soon as you introduce the mystery box that jj abrams introduced in force awakens the fan theories couldn't stop coming over who ray's parents were some people said obi-wan some people said somehow leia somehow luke some of them cheating with other people. Right. Mara Jade, um, you know, <laughs> every so white person <laughs> no, I, that existed. This is why. This is why we needed the father to be Lando. Uh, the father should have been. She's uh, she's yeah, Lando she's... and Leia. Le- Leia and Lando. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lando. This is, it would be the twist from Spider Man Homecoming. Uh, <laughs> the, God, but uh, biracial twist. It's um, I, which is also the twist for Frozen. <laughs> oh no, is it? Oh gosh, I haven't seen it. I've been spoiled. You've all been spoiled for Frozen oh, no. Two now too. We're oh, just ruining no. all the holiday movies. All of the all, all of the uh, all of the Disney sequels all blending together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh um, my God. Yeah, I mean, it, the I think the weirdest one that I that I heard was that Ray was going to be sent back in time to become Shmi Skywalker <laughs> and be Anakin's mom. That's the best <laughs> worst theory I've ever heard. Well, you I... remember I said to you a theory, Mitch, and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't very plausible, but that uh, Ray should be Palpatine's grandmother. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, and <laughs> that she hooks grandma. up with Poe, whose last name is Patine, and his name is Popatine. <laughs> this is very bad. <laughs> but but that this is the thing, is that like... Everyone, everyone is gonna have their fan theory that they have built up in their head as the legitimate explanation, the most truest, best version of Ray's parentage. And so when right. you, and so when Ryan Johnson comes in and uh, uh, you know spikes all of them, and then says, "No, she, right. she really is, she really is just some random person." Which even even Anakin, it's like undermined by the heavy implication that Palpatine is the one oh, who created Virginia, him with yeah. the Force. Oh yeah, Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, so he but, is. And then you're you're absolutely right. And then what what JJ didn't understand or or chose to ignore or was mandated by the studio or I don't know what is what he thought was okay. Well, they didn't like the subversion that none of their theories were correct. What if I just make a small segment of them happy? 
who both are hoping that it's that she's a legacy, but also weren't expecting it to be Palpatine's legacy. Right. Like, it's it's this modern... We, we sort of talked about this in our Mystery Box episode. Yeah, you can go check that out. It's episode 32. I believe, something like that. Um, but we sort of talked about how the... The like modern uh, writers who are writing in any sort of serial format, whether it's a movie trilogy or TV show, they want to build suspense and tension, and they don't want anyone to figure out their twist. And if they yeah, even they want to like, be M Night Shyamalan, yeah. but even M Night Shyamalan has been Shyamalan, right? You know? and, and like you just have to accept that in the age of the internet, someone's gonna figure out your twist if you've plotted it correctly, right. like. But that's fine. You're still going to surprise the majority of people. And, like, people feel joy at figuring out a mystery. No one's yes. going to be necessarily disappointed if, like, it happen- a fan theory happens to be correct, you right. know? So, so it's just, like, it's this strange dichotomy where they want to please the fans, but they want to trick the fans and be smarter than the fans. And you can't have it both ways. Like, it just doesn't work. And I, I think... Some of the the choices in this movie, I feel like, are dir- direct results of that. Right, but not the Raylo, because that one was perfectly set up. Yes, and was it paid off? And was paid off because they had a special bond, Hannah. I will say they're special. You can't understand their love. <laughs> the the that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, though. Is is the cool shit that they got to do with sort of their force bond and like yeah. interacting with each other's environments and objects in those environments and and it honestly led to some of my favorite parts of the movie, the most surprising and yeah. interesting parts of the movie where I we see the force doing things we haven't seen it do before. Yeah, it's I great. love when the the helmet Darth uh, Darth Vader's mm-hmm. helmet hits the ground and he's like oh i know where you are shatters into a million pieces okay it's it's in his room which again like goes to further their sort of bizarre connection Connection. you know it 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 reminded me a little bit my crush was in my room it's like that what what was that uh uh, mtv uh reality show from the early 2000s where my crib no, I don't remember. It was something like that, but it was uh, th- this person goes into three uh, rooms of three different men and then picks who oh, she I wants to exactly date. I know exactly the show you're talking room. about. Oh man, I cannot remember <laughs> Put the in name. The comments, guys, if you know that MTV <laughs> reality show, but it's like that. It was kind of a funny follow up to uh, one of the more uh, one of the more memorable and, and funny scenes in the Last Jedi, which is when they're they're force connected. While uh, you can see Kylo Ren's uh, broad, broad chest, broad enough to land a <laughs> Tie Fighter on, uh, you, you yep. know, I mean, she yep. she asked him to put a cowl on, but I guess uh, maybe maybe didn't really want him to. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you just walked in on me like, like this oh, as I an was, extremely I wide boy. You. <laughs> what they do to Adam Driver in these movies, but, like, I've seen him naked in Girls. He doesn't look like that. That's how wide he is. No, he's, like, a normal, he good-looking man. He bulked up for the role. I guess. And he's that just... made him extremely but like, wide. But, like, his, all of his, like, outfits as dark Kylo, because it changes when he turns to the light side and he's in this cool, loose-fitting clothing that, like, flatters him. But he's just in those, like, puffy vests these entire time, and he just looks like a black marshmallow. I'm going wide, I'm like, Kylo. Do they just try to make him look as bad as possible? I, I mean, we, we have to keep in mind about uh, Adam Driver getting wide. 
Uh, this is also <laughs> this is also the studio that looked at uh, uh, Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec and was like, "That guy, you are gonna come join our movie about superheroes no one's ever heard of. We're gonna get you jacked. You're gonna be the sexy new hot guy in Hollywood, and we're gonna make a million billion dollars." And uh, yeah, and it worked. And it worked. It did. I think he's just that wide. There was just nothing wrong with I like he's wide, sure, but like they put him in like the least flattering clothing, and I don't understand because he's supposed to be the brooding, sexy guy that Ray falls for, oh, and you're is. supposed to kind of fall for. Oh, he very. And much like is. people did, but I'm just like he's so wet. He just always looks wet and. I like the kiss. Puffy. I thought the twist, the twist of the kiss worked also because the whole time you're thinking, oh. Poor Finn. Oh, Finn, you you sad, sad, sad little cuckold. Boy. Oh, my God. You, oh, Finn, you should have said something. Yeah, you should have told her sooner. Oh, you should have confessed, that they, Finn. They, they, I, that, wait like, a minute. That's the I, thought, thing. Like, they sort of... I thought the thing was that what he wanted to tell her is that he can feel the force. Was that was that not it? Oh, oh. you're probably right. Yeah, that means like because they, they entirely dropped the fucking plot line. It just never came back in the end. No, you're you're right. It was it was a it was a mislead. We were supposed to think he was gonna confess he his he love, loved. but I thought he was gonna come out as gay. Oh, and be like, <laughs> hey, he's uh, in love. I mean, me and Poe have been keeping the, it on the DL. The banter was the banter was. Thick in this one with him and Poe. Thick banter until they brought in Zori Bliss Ugh, to straight to, everything up. Yeah, what is that? There, there's definitely a trope name for that, oh. but we'll, you know, I don't remember it. I don't know. Where you bring in a character specifically to prove that a character that is extremely homoerotic the, right. that that character is know, not gay strange. for sure, and that's Zori Bliss for Poe. Isn't that just called a beard? Yeah, I guess it's just a beard. It's a yeah. it's a fictional beard. She's her, I hate like she comes out of nowhere. She's nothing. We don't even see her face. We see her eyes. We see her blue eyes and a wisp of blonde hair. Yeah. Babu. Babu. We get Babu. Babu's fine. Babu's fine. I don't mind Babu. I knew that C three PO wasn't gonna be dead. I know you can't kill C three PO. He's been in every movie. Yeah. Except for Solo. I will say those C-3PO is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Movie. Uh, he, he's, he is so much more, like, genuine and, yep. like, uh, 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 fully, like, thought out as a character here than I think he is in pretty much any other right. Star and, Wars movie. And they actually give but, him like, some good lines. But, like, he has a lot of really good emotional He some good lines. Yeah. I met Anthony Daniels once, and he's a very performative sort of, you know, classic, you know, dramatic theater type of dude. He's, he was a theater kid mm -hmm. growing up, for sure. And he, you know, sort of bursts into the room uh -huh. and he says, you know... I'm going to tell you a, the story of Star Wars. It's the story of a sort of charming but, uh, you know, self-effacing robot and his small companion. Uh, and they his human travel pet. the universe. Uh, they travel the universe solving all sorts of crimes and mysteries and generally affecting the, uh, the political and social strata of the, of the galaxy. galaxy. Um, and I, I love Anthony Daniels. He's he great. Job. Uh, he deserves a medal. Oh, God. Uh, Chewbacca got a medal. Chewbacca <laughs> got a medal. Chewie finally gets his. I, I will say, I mean, the only two characters to appear in all nine movies of, uh, 
I guess we're calling it the Skywalker saga now. The only ones to appear in all of them are 2D2 yeah, and C3PO. Yeah, that's what he said. And, and uh, yeah, he asked that as like a trivia question, like a stumper. And I was like, um... <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Excuse me, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he was great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what did you yeah, he was, What did you guys uh, think of the deep-faked uh, Luke and Leia scene? <laughs> deep-faked? Was, I mean, she was, was, she was just fake. cut out. It was a simple match. I it wasn't, know. She it wasn't was, actually, like, visually looked, altered in any way. It looked bad. Well, it didn't look bad. It's, I, that's not the, the I, problem. Uh, Did it look bad, Mitch? I feel, I feel like we know who those characters are, so you don't need to, Show like, lift up the vibe. Oh, I'm sorry. I was confusing it, it, with a different scene. Uh, yes, the deep-faked look yeah. of my <laughs> It was kind of helped by the fact that there was, Wait, like, what flashing scene were you lasers. thinking of? Don't worry about it. <laughs> it was kind of helped by, like, the flashing laser swords, right. which kind of make everybody look CGI. Yeah, but... I don't like, know. I thought... It did look fake. I it feel like they've fake. done that better. You know, like, at the end of Rogue One. No, I that looks that, terrible Really? Uh, in my memory, it worked very well. Well, I, this but is something so interesting, bad. and maybe we could do, like, a, a fuller video on this, or a fuller podcast on this later, but... I think there's something to the idea that um, there's, you know, Star Wars imagines a lot of things about itself that end up affecting the larger culture. And to me, that's holograms and force ghosts and clones. Mm -hmm. And the movies themselves become clones and the characters within them become holograms of themselves. And the force ghosts of the previous, like... In iterations end up seeping their ways into the, the modern interpretations. Palpatine cannot be gotten rid of because clones exist, but also Luke cannot be gotten rid of because nostalgia exists. Yeah. Like, there's something to that, and we'll, maybe we'll address it in, in something else, but the, the persistence of holograms, which were introduced to the larger public pretty much through Star Wars, uh -huh. I think there's something to that. And now we have real holograms we of do. real dead people. The business people use in weird meetings and that show up at concerts. <laughs> like... They do show up at concerts. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's, there's an interesting element to the fact that Leia has started out as a hologram. Yeah. That's the first thing that we see her as. And, and the now last thing we see her as. She is a hologram Force in ghost. the fictional world. Right. She's, yes, she's blue, but right. sometimes even when she's alive, she's dead. Right. Spooky. That's a lot. <laughs> and, and, and I, th I think it sort of that sort of broadly reflects the ways in which the sequel trilogy is a a reflection and an investigation and meditation on Star Wars oh, itself. Yeah. Yes. Big time. Where where the where the original trilogy uh, was you know was channeling sort of uh here you know broad hero's journey you know arcs right. and combine like stylistic influences from you know old flash gordon serials western samurai but created something like fresh and original from it the sequel trilogy starts out with this very reverent uh uh you know first movie with the force awakens yeah. that is structured very similarly to you know, constantly references and 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 goes back to ideas that were from the original trilogy, characters from the original trilogy. Um, in the middle, they 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 go into 
a, a different sort of frame where it's re-examination of that myth and uh, how uh, sort you of know, challenging it. How challenging it, uh, uh, looking at sort of the, the the weird way in which that that myth is developed and sort of solidified as this singular thing uh, in, in people's minds and challenging us to, uh, you know, look beyond that and look at it in a different way and, and subvert our expectations. And then episode nine is back to being Reverend. that thing you love, but new again, like it, and it's, I've seen that in some of the, the, um, the discourse surrounding the film is the idea that it is, it, you know, it is a lot. It is a lot of things. It is things from all over Star Wars, brought together again and then shoved on screen, but without the sort of thought and care and and and, and attention to detail and the uh, you know the really tight coherent uh, storytelling uh, that you have in the original trilogy, but also not quite the weird, messy ambition of the prequels to tell this sort of Shakespearean fall of the Republic story either. And so you're left in a weird place where I found the rise of Skywalker to be very entertaining. And yet it feels weird and, and, and not like a great conclusion to the trilogy because the trilogy the sequel trilogy unto itself ultimately doesn't sort of the movies don't flow into each other super well and particularly last jedi does not flow into the rise of skywalker either in terms of its plot where we just kind of like skip into the future and the resistance has a new base and more people and we're just kind of not talk about (laughs) what happened in the last jedi too much uh or and also thematically um you know with the with the central the central repudiation really being uh who are raised who are raised parents and and i don't think it's a complete repudiation in that it is still about ray looking for an identity and not being able to find something comfortable that she can settle into yeah, because because if she were if she were Obi Wan's descendant oh, okay. or Luke's descendant, she would she would immediately know like, oh great, like this is this is my legacy. I'm gonna go in and inherit it, and right. that it and like the, 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 the conflict and the tension. Right, are it ends up being a twist, right? That uh, that that both changes everything without changing any plot point. Yeah, it doesn't really affect anything if. If Ray wasn't Palpatine's uh, granddaughter, wouldn't he still be trying to turn her to the dark side? I mean, right. she's a powerful Force user. Like that's his thing that he right. likes and to do. Right, and wouldn't she still be trying to stop the First Order? And wouldn't she still like it? It creates some internal conflict. Right, and, and, but it's it, more symbolic, thematic. Right. It's it doesn't really change anything, and I think that's part of what makes it so disappointing right and, and i think that might be as good a place as any to end the, the spoilers because we <laughs> we went on quite a bit longer than yeah. I, I thought that we would have on, on spoiler territory there's a lot to talk about there's, there's a, a heck of a lot to cover do you have any final uh there's points a heck of a lot and, to and, cover. And also or i think mitch is gonna say something yeah i think 
in terms of you know Ray finding a family, you can tell that story with the conflict being is her family the resistance, the people that she is physically with, or is it Kylo Ren who shares her pain of finding his place in all this and who is connected to him by the force i think continuing their uh force connection and really centering the story on on their relationship uh is when the rise of skywalker is at its strongest i don't think you need to add in the change to her parentage to accomplish Mm -hmm. that but I don't think it totally undermines that element of the storyline, even if it does undermine some of the thematics of Last Jedi, emblematized by the broom kid pulling right. in the broom with the Force broom and kid. showing that the Force is I with all of us. I love Broom Kid. Where's Broom Kid in all this? Where's his I spinoff? Want, I want Disney Plus. Star Wars, I want a, a Star Wars story. Broom, broom Kid. kid. Merry Coming Christmas. 2022. A Star Wars Christmas Carol featuring Broom Kid. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm ready for it. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good good way to wrap it yeah. up, Mitch. I think that's a very uh, good summation of of the arcs and, and how they resolve. Right, and, and this arc, this, this trilogy in particular. But there's more to Star Wars than just this trilogy. <laughs> because we talked about the thematic resonance and the influence. You talked about, you know, samurai and everything. But spoilers stop now because now we're going to talk about toys. Talking about toys. We're gonna, moment of silence. Okay, so for those of you who skipped the spoilers, uh, I wanted, you know, it's Christmas. <laughs> it's a time of giving and a time of getting toys. And Star Wars is... A toy-based franchise, and there's a toy Dio. <laughs> there's a Dio toy. Of we gotta buy there the, is. We gotta buy the Dio toy. Oh, I mean, there was a BB-8, and then there were Porgs, and now there's Dio and Baby Yoda, and you know, it's Baby it, Yoda. Star. I I feel like part of the reason that Star Wars, especially with this this trilogy, has felt so vacuous is that it really is just a money-making, like, scheme at this point, you know? But I think it's, I think that's even too cynical a way to look at it. Because I think that being a toy-based franchise doesn't, doesn't have to mean that you're less of an artistic endeavor. That's true, that's true. But what it does mean is that these films are written around the toys. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree with that, Mitch, that these films are written around the toys? I, I was just thinking you said there's a Dio toy, and I'm like, Who's Dio? Can, can, can you remember anything that Dio says, he says uh, no, thank you. in The Rise of Skywalker? To That's and right. That was really cute. And also, he is the final MacGuffin that gets them to planet... Uh, Ex- Exodia. Exegol? Exegol? Exegol, yeah. Deus Ex Machina. Planet MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, Star Wars toys... Are, are are fascinating because it they they seem so they it there's always toys for a new generation and yet the they're all the sort same of toys still peak they're all the same toys there you know there's there's always a new generation of people to experience Star Wars and buy the toys 
Right, um, and but at, this, in a, in a, at this point, everyone's parents grew up with Star Wars, so if they loved it right. then, they want to pass it down to their kids. You know, like, like my dad, when the prequels were coming out, my dad took me to see them. I was probably a little bit too young yeah. <laughs> like to see it in theaters, but he was like, no, it's a Star Wars film! We're going! Ah! Like, was so <laughs> pumped! And, you know, and, and that's still true of, like, parents who are now in their 30s taking their six-year-olds to go see it. Because, right. like, they grew up it with It becomes generational, yeah. but, but also it becomes, a, a, you know, a form of regression. Right. Like, these movies are playtime. Mm-hmm. They are play sets. Yes. When you have a new planet that's introduced, it's primarily analyzed through the biome, not through the sociopolitical organization right. of the planet. Right. It's, what is it, is it a desert planet? Is it a swamp? What, are they going to be cutting down trees with their lightsabers, or are they going to be going through brutal snowstorms? Right. This is the way that people analyze the planets, right? It's it's covered in salt. <laughs> salt, because uh, it's salt like snow. Of people who hated... The salt of the people who hated The Last Jedi. It's <laughs> all their bitter tears. <laughs> that is such a ballsy move to be like... <laughs> Um, yes, I understand that you don't like my Star Wars sequel. I've constructed a planet for you to live on. It is one constructed (laughs) entirely of salt. salt. (laughs) I love it. It's sort of interesting to me to see how the, 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 you know, the toys of Star Wars have continued to make money, live on, doesn't really change. It's sort of, it feels reflective of you know broader trends within the franchise and and within like franchise movies in general i would say is that sure i mean it's related to to you know marvel but even marvel doesn't have a toy culture like this i mean it's insane I, i think part of it is that the star wars toy culture was there from the very beginning like Like, in the 70s, you could get your Star Wars lunchboxes and t-shirts and lightsaber, you know, like, like the minute they realized this is huge, this is big, kids love it, it was, it was Star Wars Palooza, you know? Right, the, the first company that, that, that distributed, uh, you know, Star Wars toys was called Kenner, and they literally created t- toys for, like, every single character and right. minor background character in the first movie. Right. Between the first movie coming out and the second, to the point where they had to start making up figures. Um, they introduced these things called mini rigs. Okay. Where the idea was that they would be, like, they were in the movie, uh-huh. just off screen. Ah, yeah. And that is the root of the expanded universe. Right. Is It doesn't come from fan fiction like it did with Star Trek. It doesn't come from... Like the fan fiction was generated around these toys. Exactly. I mean, it's not that like they wrote a mini-rig fan fiction. No. But the mere idea with Star Wars that there is something... Off screen. Off screen. It, it's to do with toys. Mm-hmm. Not to do with, oh, but what if... You know, these two characters, you know, hooked I... up off screen, like, you know, or, you know, <laughs> oh, what would be, what would it be like if there was another planet with other aliens or, you know, or what if this happened in the future? It was all about, okay, it could be a new vehicle, you know, maybe, right. maybe a new, you know, maybe they, they fight on a fire planet, you know, there was uh-huh. no fire planet in the original well, trilogy. Let's put on a fire planet, lava. Little did they know. <laughs> uh, the majesties of the fire planet. The importance of having the high. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, I think so, something that was interesting to me about like uh, looking into the history of this, which I watched on the the, the toys that made, made us, us yeah, you know, yeah. which is a pretty useful thing. It's sort yeah. of like 
a rough overview. Um, but they talked a lot about, like, the fact that this was so rushed that they did a lot of kit bashing and label slapping. Which is... Which is code for, in toy companies, you know, taking a kit that already exists uh -huh. and just reshaping it and remodeling it so that it looks like something like new. Like putting a Star Wars skin on it, basically. Right. And then label slapping is the same thing, but, like, you take, like, a laser toy uh -huh. and you just slap something on it that says Star, Star Wars, Wars, and now it's a Star Wars laser toy. Yeah. It's... Um, imbued with the sort of fun and, and, and wonder of Star Wars simply by having that association, the e even when it's the exact right. same thing. Right. Right. And the most rare collectible toy and like the most cherished one is the Boba Fett toy. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about Boba Fett just as a little sidebar. Because Boba Fett was introduced as a mail-in order... Uh, action figure that you couldn't you know buy in stores you could only get him through mail order and the only time that any star wars fan had seen it was on a once aired <laughs> star wars christmas special holiday special uh where there was a short animated segment with uh <laughs> with with boba fett this random guy riding on a dinosaur saying like yeah, i'm a bounty hunter yeah my <laughs> name's boba fett and like People loved it because it was a toy first character. Right. I mean, they. I mean, I've never seen anybody write it this way, but it seems like that's why it w he was so popular. He was like an Easter Hell. egg. Right. He was like Hell, his name. He was like the world of their toys had expanded the world of the movies. What are you his saying, Mitch? name isn't even spoken in the Empire Strikes Back. He's just referred to as the bounty. Darth Vader just calls him the yeah. bounty hunter. But everyone knows Boba oh, wow. Fett's name through the merchandising. I have a Boba Fett t-shirt that says Boba Fett on it. <laughs> That's not in the movies. It, not, it, well, it's in the, pre <laughs> not in, the pre in the prequels. <laughs> but, like, yeah, we know right. that name because of, like, how fully the, the sort of the 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 toy universe right. and we know permeated he was popular things. because they made him like a central figure in the prequels yeah his dad jango fett is all of the clones right and he is the son who's trying to avenge his father's death all right and then on top of that his design is the inspiration for all of the mandalorian bounty hunters mm -hmm. thus spawning an entire franchise called the, the mandalorian, mandalorian about just Basically Boba Fett, but without the backstory. Right. And then I didn't even realize it wasn't his show. until the show started. Right. <laughs> until well, I started episode one and I'm like... And realized, oh, this is just some guy named Mando. Yep, I can't <laughs> believe his name fucking Mando. Well, they just call him that because he doesn't have a name. He's the horse with no name. Yeah. Um, and it, in his TV show, there's nothing to it. Except that he's a toy and Baby and Yoda cool. yep. is a toy. Yep. Yep. That's the whole show is just... Here's some toys for you to play with. You tell your own stories. This won't affect any of the major canon of anything, right. which is why they like it. And and I feel like so much of modern story consumption with the internet is this like simultaneously communal experience where we're all talking about it online and talking to other people about it in like this vast communication network, but then also a very singular experience in that you can go off and publish 50,000 plus words of fan fiction about this shit and other people will show up to read it. You know, like right. you can have your own Star Wars canon in your head and, you know, just the way the internet is, no one's gonna, someone might tell you you're wrong, but like, 
you you can still stand by it because other people will tell you you're right. Yeah. Right. And and I think there there is a lot to be said for the way in which the Mandalorian it's it looks amazing. The production values are incredible. It looks like the Star Wars movies. It faithfully reproduces mm -hmm. the aesthetic sort of visceral experience of Star Wars, but it is in this right. very controlled, low-stakes space that is there for, uh, you know, sort of low-level, playful, consumptive entertainment in the way that, you know playing with Star Wars toys is entertaining because like it gives you that rush of you know the the things that are emblematic of sort of the the aesthetic the trappings of Star Wars the the high stake the the, the you know the high stakes adventure the 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 sort of you know the 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 adrenaline rush right. uh the 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 you know the different the space battles the wonderful alien worlds with the uh, and, and alien designs it, but where yeah where the mandalorian is lacking is in the sort of character development and world building that would right. you know i think in the minds of some people maybe get in the way of sort of this week's adventures with mando featuring baby yoda I mean, it's <laughs> like television itself is kind of a, a realm of play and fan fiction because a lot of people get into it by writing spec scripts or, or something they yeah, love. And, and, you know, the role of each individual writer on a, you know, in a writer's room is to match the voice, but still put your own spin and, and add your own stuff to the lore. Right. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's important to note just how many different venues of toys there are. You know, for the movies alone, you've got hobby models, which are, you know, like sort of 12-inch yeah. you know, models for, for, you know, collectors. Then you've got, like, plush toys for little kids. Galaxy of Adventures is also children-aimed. They've got big anime eyes. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, posable, um, but not too posable. I mean, there's all the licensing Funko stuff. Pops. Yep. The, um, the there's Zori the Black Bliss series, Funko which Pop. is their more... Because uh, every because everyone needs a Funko Pop of iconic Star Wars character Zori Bliss. Well, yeah, but, oh but that's God. the thing is it's 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 a toy first mentality. You've also got you know uh, something called the Black series, which was like because here's the thing: if you buy the toy of Zori, like she can suddenly become cool and interesting and important because you get to make up the you story get to make now. Up. And you know? she wears a mask. You know, she could be anybody, basically. Right, exactly. She, she can fill any role that you need her to you fill. You can buy the Poe Funko Pop and they can make out, like, whatever you want. <laughs> right, and even if you're not literally taking out these toys right. out of their boxes and playing with them, the, the world of owning a piece of the lore mm -hmm. and being able to take it home and having it be an iconic piece of merchandise, the, that is a childlike... Uh, relationship, like a parasocial relationship totally. that you maintain with the universe. Yeah. Um, there's also like a vintage collection with like toys from old movies, mm -hmm. like weird, obscure Luke's, one-handed right. Luke, right. Luke, sad Luke, happy Luke, <laughs> misprinted Luke. There are only fifty of these. Right. Like... And then of course Lego, which is a, 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 a toy brand designed around inventive and creative play. Um, and that's, I think, where, where Star Wars has found its, like, most natural companion, including a ton of video games. 
because the yeah. whole point is Lego is low stakes. It doesn't affect the universe. Right. You're given a bunch of pieces, and you can put them together in any order you want. Right. You Here's can follow instructions. the instructions or no. Exactly. You can put Jar Jar Binks right in there with Yoda. <laughs> no one cares. It can be canon or not canon. It doesn't matter. Have fun with it. Exactly. Um, I like Lego Star Wars. I didn't ever build any of the things that they told me to build. <laughs> um, I mean, Lego Star Wars is a... It's incredibly entertaining. I think you know there's a lot there. There's a lot to be said for the design of these characters that they are so inviting oh, and yeah. fascinating, and that they allow you to uh, imagine uh, such a grand you know world and narrative outside of uh, you know what is what is directly shown. Um, I think that's you know yeah. that's definitely true of the uh, of of these toys of the Legos, and I think. Yeah, going back to what you you're, you mentioned before about the video games, the Lego Star Wars video game is perhaps the the highest degree of this because it is a video game based on a toy, <laughs> based on the series of movies. That it's it's sort of this this you know maximally saccharine experience, which I still admittedly yeah. had a blast with. Uh, oh, incredibly of course. fun. Um, yeah, I think I only ever played the original trilogy video game. I never, I, I never played the uh, the the prequel trilogy Prequels. video game. Uh, mo- mostly at my friend's house. The Phantom Dentist. <laughs> I just remember killing my friend over and over again in that game on the Dagobah oh, level. That's so mean. Come oh, I mean on. he he. I mean he was killing me uh, uh, over and over again as well. Uh, it 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 <laughs> took for it took forever to finish, but. No, we, we, we just had a, right. but that's the whole thing is that like we had a blast, you know, messing around in that world. It, it's lo, low stakes, uh, just the, the, you know, the sort of uh, experience of it without having to, uh, you know, w- without having to, you know, think about the, you know, the characters and the world super deeply it's just the the very sometimes you need right. that very superficial rush of the star wars series to just satisfy an itch and totally. it's it in a way that's what the rise of skywalker delivered uh not to get too far back into spoiler territory but it there were a number of scenes that did feel like they were meant to evoke that type of star wars experience and i'm not sure everyone was looking for it there but people sure are looking for it in uh in all kinds of places i think the mandalorian uh is the mandalorian is one of those places exemplified by baby yoda right exactly um i i want to sort of direct the conversation towards uh an, an interesting facet of the toy phenomenon which is the where's ray hashtag where's ray mm. uh phenomenon from force awakens uh at the time the the marketing was intentionally unclear about who the main protagonist was of the you know of the new series and like we thought for a while it'd be john boyega yeah we thought that it would be finn yeah. it might be poe because you know he kind of looks sort of lukish yeah um but it of course ended up being ray uh, but Ray was missing from a lot of the toy marketing. Uh, there would be certain like Force Awakens, like a five pack of toys, and it would have 
Finn, because he was supposed to be the lead, uh, uh, Poe, and then it would have Kylo Ren uh-huh. and villains for them to fight, because right. if you have only a set of five, you've got to pick like two, two heroes, heroes and then a bunch of like people for villains. them to fight, yeah. and if you're marketing primarily to young boys. boys who are, you know, whether this is socially constructed or not, they are the, the primary market for action figures mm-hmm. and for toys in general right now. Um, girls tend to be marketed more like clothing items. I mean, they're marketed dolls. They're just they're different dolls. dolls. But as soon as they cross a certain threshold where they're not buying dolls anymore, they basically stop being marketed toys at all. Um, which is, it's an interesting phenomenon. I don't think it's based on any like natural thing. About right. No, it's boys. entirely like constructed. But it is, yeah. you know, right now it is the reality that sure. that marketers are trying to appeal to. Right. Um, and you can't put a girl in your boy the, thing. Right. It's the distinction between dolls and action figures. Which well, is, sure. Like, but, I mean, also just the fact <laughs> that, like, it's like girls at a certain age just stop playing with dolls somehow. And the idea that boys, the idea that won't, boys play won't play with girl with, dolls. Exactly. These are, like, the falsehoods. And so it led to this nice little letter... From uh, Annie Rose, age eight, that they sent to Star Wars. Do you want to read it or should I? I'll read it. Okay. Dear Hasbro, how could you leave out Rey? She belongs in Star Wars Monopoly and all other Star Wars games. Without her, there is no Force Awakens. It awakens in her. (laughs) And without her, the bad guys would have won. Besides, boys and girls need to see women can be as strong as men. Girls can be as str- uh, uh, girls matter. Boy or girl, who cares? We are all equal, all of us. Sincerely, Annie Rose. Age eight. Age That's eight. And I, I mean, fight the seems, power, Annie. On, on one level, it seems like ridiculous. Like this is such a corporate product. It's not even like a game or a toy. It's Star well, it Wars. Is a game. It's Star Wars Monopoly. <laughs> right. It's so far. It's removed. Monopoly with a Star Wars skin. There's no canon to Star, right. Star Wars Monopoly. Right. But at the same time, it, like, it signals that... It's emblematic. Right. It is emblematic. And it's, it's created this like metatextual, extratextual arena where discourse about the films lives. And I think that that's... Like, there's more discourse out there in the, this is our society. Uh-huh. This is our representation. These are the games that we play. This is how we imagine ourselves. Right. That, that, that it becomes important. Uh-huh. And, and I think there's something to that, that even something as stupid as Star Wars Monopoly is now a, it's, it, it becomes a battlefield. And right. I think as a result of that, you have to, like, it makes total sense, the backlash to The Last Jedi. Absolutely. It makes, like, not, not like it's justified, but you it's understandable everyone recognizes on you know on all different political uh you know factions that that star wars is a battlefield right uh including the game star wars uh battlefront it's not called battlefield <laughs> something uh, like that i i haven't played the but, new battlefront you know, games but the old ones mighty fine uh <laughs> yeah um, I guess, like, this is the thing, is, like, is there a political dimension to to Star Wars? And maybe that's where I mean, we close off on, you know? Yes, like, there's a political... Uh, yes and no. Like, I think the appeal... I think the reason why Star Wars is a great place to wage a culture war 
is because you can imagine any large sort of either actually or imaginary author authoritarian force as the empire. Mm -hmm. right. And you are the rebel group fighting against that, whether your ideology is that the left and like minorities are being oppressed by the government or that your opinion is me as a right-wing gun-toting men's rights activist i'm being oppressed by this right. leftist regime you know like they're the real fascists like you can map that on to either one as you see fit because they leave just enough out right. from these movies right so i mean like so they're political in that that's why they're the perfect place to wage a culture war because anyone can view themselves on as as the heroes. Right. And I think interestingly enough, and and not to spoil too much about uh, you know this movie that we just saw, but Star Wars Episode Nine does not resolve the political tensions of the the film. Not particularly. The rebellion rebels, and as you probably could have guessed without seeing the movie. They win and Try defeat open. the the first order, the final order, whatever you want to call it. Um, the you know the bad guys, but what did, what are they returning to? What political system is right. it going to just reproduce? Uh, oh, is this a third republic? <laughs> right, a fourth, like, the fifth. Like we don't see any of the follow through, and that's th that's true with the redemption arc, which I, I won't say more on that for right. spoilers, but like. The redemption arc happens, and then what? You know, what? we don't get to see no. it. There is no next. There exactly. is no because the next one is going to end open. If there is a next one, right? The next one shall open with there's an evil force, <laughs> right? It somewhere must be stopped, and presumably, I mean, the, there's no political imagination. Not like Star Trek, right? You know, Star Trek has a political imagination. It imagines a post-capitalist, post-national, mm -hmm. um, global government mm -hmm. that has, you know, bypassed any need for really, you know, colonialism or wealth redistribution right. or capital, you know, all like these things Like, they're literally have been... explorers right. who are <laughs> specifically told not even not to colonize, but not to even, like, really interact with right. these cultures. But the truly subversive thing, I think, about the prequels uh -huh. is that it showed... That even though the rebels were fighting to restore the Republic in the face of the Empire, and they succeeded at that at the end of Episode 6, uh -huh. then we go back and we see that the rebellion, the Republic, the, the Republic that they were fighting for, was really flawed. Was incredibly flawed it, it condoned slavery it supported bureaucrats who were mainly in charge of, of funding trade federations right and, and trade rules like the trade Jedi federations. order even was just right. like weird bodyguards for the senate at this point right literal corporations were sitting at the senate table yeah. going like this is what i want and of course it's easy to scare a bunch of them into electing a uh, you know, a mad power grabbing Palpatine, right? And then to give him emergency powers to fight an imaginary enemy that was a total false flag, right? And thus leading to a fascist empire. Uh -huh. And then it happens again: <laughs> a splinter group splinters off what? from the the New Republic uh -huh. and becomes the First Order. And it's just like it's the the same things. History repeats itself. It's it's a little dark. It's a little pessimistic, almost. Right, but it it doesn't cop to that at all. No, because its story is a story about the heroes who rise to fight it again and again. Right. No matter how many times the it evil comes. It doesn't cop to that, except for in The Last Jedi, when Luke acknowledges that the ways of the Jedi Order yeah. 
were flawed and let Darth Sidious rise to power. And and right, right, and and even Kylo at that point is advocating for let's move beyond the paradigms of the dark side and the light side. Maybe we're both stupid, <laughs> and I mean, like, but then it just doesn't follow through on it that doesn't. because immediately Palpatine, you know, it's like Hitler gets resurrected specifically to preserve the the Weimar Republic. Right, it's like a, it's a strange sort of like like history rewriting itself into itself. Yeah. When, it's hey guys this is my TED talk <laughs> when, when really i think in the uh, when it starts out it, it is it's not based in like contemporary politics nearly so much it's a lot more sort of a general revolutionary anti-authoritarian sentiment based around uh you know broad uh uh you know it was the 70s. Yeah, broad yeah. strokes, sort of, you know, common cultural myth. Didn't need to be super, uh, you know, politically, specific. Uh, you know, immediately politically relevant in the way that it feels like media often needs to be these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can you can debate why that is. Why. <laughs> um, because time moves infinitely slowly now. Oh, because time will just refuses to move to forward. go anywhere. But, uh, I mean, it's all recorded forever. That's one one of the frustrating things about uh, the prequels is that it actually has the guts to try and imagine uh, the the Republic and uh, depict the fall of the Republic and the yeah uh, you know. There are a lot of beats that ring true in terms of the rise of a of a populist fascist dictator, you know, utilizing yeah, fear. Yeah, I mean, it was written about the Patriot Act and George W. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was about. It was also about you know the fall of Ro- or the fall of Greece and the rise of Roman Empire. But it was also about you know the fall of the Weimar Republic and the rise of Nazism. It was a it was about capturing the entire history of good guy rebels, bad guy people in power, and saying, you know, what if we could condense that into a legend that incorporated Eastern mythology, Western mythology, samurai movies, cowboy movies, everything, and just made it one big lump of myth. It is, <laughs> yeah. um, it is the singular story. Results. To varying results... With teddy bears. <laughs> yes. With, with green with, man. With teddy bears um, that were like supposedly inspired by the Viet Cong repelling uh, the Americans, who are, I guess, in this case, are the stormtroopers. It was the 70s. It was the 70s. Oh, God. But now it's not the 70s anymore. It's not. I mean, like, yeah, like the prequels Ugh. were very much late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, <laughs> and the sequels... Say- are so now. much of our time. So 2010. Very neo-Nazi sort of whiny internet boys. I mean, Ky- the, Kylo whole, Ren. the Kylo <laughs> Ren. Like... I mean, but it, but does it, but it, at the same time, it seems to embody no politics because of the toy aspect of right, it. Right, because, because you because have to play sell, with themselves. Because people like Stormtroopers and people like Darth Vader and they like the bad guys. And so they want to sell bad guy merch. And so you can't have them being Be, too bad, you know? Right. And, and if you want... Like Nazis to buy your shit as much as you want. The like, stormtrooper brand 
is the 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 elegant nature of fascism, the the aesthetically Absolutely. pleasing nature of you know, uh, and uh, you, you know, uh, right of or uh, what's the name of the film? <laughs> Lenny Riefenstahl's uh, the the um, Triumph of the Will. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, it's about it's about how nice it looks when everyone's marching in a straight it's, line. It's the Lion King a little bit. Like that yes. power is beautiful, and, so and the, all of the it's, the, it's the all the hyenas are marching in a line. <laughs> right. It's the oh, shoot. What's the, what's the word? Nah, it's like oblivion, but um, uh. Like, damn, it, it's like the Kantian ideal of like you're so overwhelmed by. Oh, how, oh, oh, uh, uh, the sublime. Sublime, there it is. Um, yeah, it's like the idea of the sublime is it very is. much it a is. part of like fascist aesthetic. Mm. Um, we went wide with this one, guys. <laughs> this is a Christmas palooza. Happy, Merry Christmas. Hope your family's having a good time. Yeah, it's. Um, but so. I, I was in Disney, yes. uh, in Disney World, in uh, March. Oh, I went there. Was Galaxy's Edge open at that point? What? You were there yeah, in May? I was, yeah, I was there in May. I saw I saw uh, uh, stormtroopers, uh, uh, you know, marching Parade, around. Yeah. yeah, they were. Uh, they they look they look very fascist, but but but. It's really kind of terrifying. They do like all in in uh, Hollywood Studios. There's like a three o'clock performance or something where like they all gather in the square and then it's like the first orders procession through Disney world. And it's like, I'm sure later in the day they get beat up by a bunch of Jedi or something, Mm -hmm. but like, it's really weird that there's like people joining the fascist parade. And it's like, Jedi, uh, go. Yeah. Like, right. So I mean, uh, there just to like plug something. There is a uh, a Lindsay Ellis did mm-hmm. a video about this this very topic, including the the parades. At, at oh Disney God, World. did she? I forgot. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're covering it in slightly different ways. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Check out Lindsay Ellis. Yeah, I think video. it's called the ideology. Check out of all the of first her videos. Order. They're the, great. I think it's called "Is the First Order Fascist?" Sure. Or something which, like that. Which they are um, certainly emblematic of fascism, but to imbue them with. The uh, you know with the genuine article would be to you know I, I think to a lot of people it would be really jarring and take people out of sort of the minds jar jarring it would take people out of the mindset of being able to interact with it in 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 the way that you would interact with a toy sort of this this right. this fantastical right. world that you you interact with because it just gives you a hit of dopamine. And you love the aesthetic of it. That like ha- being right. having these having genuine a genuine fascism in there, complete with an ideology that forces you to ask questions about it and grapple with it intellectually, right. di- diminishes its capacity to give you that sort of childlike nostalgic wonder of. Totally. Uh, you know that you know something like Kylo Ren and the First Order is meant to evoke. You know, you know, it's it, it would make it way more challenging to wear that merchandise because it would be it it would be an endorsement of something that really just like feels fundamentally wrong. I guess I guess unless you're a right. fascist, but uh. <laughs> unless you're a fascist. 
I want to end with kind of a... I, I think we've been talking for yeah. a mm-hmm. long while. Uh, I want to end with kind of a conspiracy theory. That, that Luke is, is a confused Listen, ghost. guys. <laughs> bring it home, bring it home. <laughs> no, it has to do with the reception of these films mm. and the, the money-making capacity of them. I just want to point out, the prequels and the original trilogy were released as summer blockbusters. They okay. were you know, May sort of releases... But when Disney purchased the company, they made a conscious decision that everything would be released in December as either Christmas, Christmas or, or right before Christmas yeah. releases. And that is because they recognize that this is a toy-based franchise. And they recognize mm. that you can sell more toys on Christmas. When the hype is the highest. When the hype is the highest than on any other day. And you can sell them a toy... For Zori Bliss, right before the movie comes out, and say, "Hey, She's it's a Dio movie. toy. It's a Zori Bliss toy. It's BB Nine E, the Black BB Eight. Right. You can sell these toys with people not knowing what their role is in the film, how they relate to the other characters, right? Because people would rather just have the toy, right. and make up their own story, right? Even than watch the movie. Mm-hmm. But they go to the movie to see how their toys might." Look, one possible, like, one possible... a little, get a sense of their personality, get right. a sense for their general role in things, and right. then, you know, do what you will with it. And as for why people hate the prequels, I point to <laughs> Jar Jar and yeah. Darth Maul. Darth Maul. I really hate Darth Maul. Darth Maul was a character with a great toy. Holy shit. He's got a two sided lightsaber. Oh, yeah. He's fun to dress up as. Yeah. He's got a cool face. He is a cool toy, mm-hmm. and you bought him, and you dressed up as him before seeing the movie, only to find that he has one line, and then is killed unceremoniously. He gets Jar a cool Jar, fight first. He does get a cool cool fight, but he dies. He does die. That removes him from your ability to play with him. Right. It, t- it taints your play. Sure. Jar Jar is a bad toy. Okay. He is not cuddly. He is not cool. He doesn't have a weapon. He doesn't have an ability. He's he does just nothing. A weird, goofy, he sits there thing. and he talks funny. What, All right. What are you talking about, guys? The kids bad, loved a Jar. What are you talking about? But they didn't really buy his toys. That's what are you bad. talking about? Jar Jar was behind it all the whole time. Jar Jar, Jar Jar is Jar Jar was meant to be the one hooked up to the the giant arm. Wait, I guess we're back into spoiler territory, huh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that that should have been the twist that, uh, that Jar Jar was raised grandpa. grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I demand JJ Abrams re-release the film with you Jar Jar. You said Jar Jar. He's oh, a bad God. toy. And it wasn't just that he was racist, which he is. <laughs> yes. And a lot of Star Wars characters are, including, like, you know... So many things. Even, like, Lando. I mean, but, like, yeah. it's getting off track. <laughs> but Jar Jar, bad toy. Darth Maul, good toy, but not done justice in the movie. Right. Therefore, I mean, bad movie. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think we can totally blame... The poor reception of the sequel. I told you it was a toys. conspiracy theory. But 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 I think there is something to this idea that like you know, 
since Disney owns a third of the movie market at this point, it feels like, you know, like they know toys. They they know toys, they know They made Toy Story. Huge blockbusters, they know franchises and they're, you know, they're cornering the summer market with all the Marvel stuff. Yes. And then they're cornering the winter market with, you know, whatever animated film is coming out. And Star Wars. Right. And, like, that's just how... That, that's the world we're going to live in for the next decade. Like, that, exactly. that, that's what the 2010s was. It's gonna be what the 2020s are. Um, right. Unless something radical happens. I mean, unless something perhaps uh, happens. the sort of mixed reception to uh, the rise of Skywalker combined with the sort of finality we got in Avengers Endgame will, will, will mean mm-hmm. that we're, we're going to shift towards something new. Um, uh, maybe not. Um, but what I will say for this Christmas is, you know, I hope everyone enjoys the story of a young infant, you know, born into this world, hunted by a great and powerful, empire you know having to go on the run in the desert you know but ultimately coming into this world to use their power greater than us all to heal the world and i hope everyone enjoys the mandalorian uh (laughs) and baby Baby yoda Uh, 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 this Christmas. Uh, I think, uh, you know. I think that's a fantastic way to end it, Mitch. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, I always love to talk Um, about Star Wars. This one, this one, we went wide with it. We went went, narrow. We went every which way. And there's still so much more about Star Wars. Right. So anything that you guys want us to cover, if you want Mitch to come Mm -hmm. back and, you know, talk with us more. More Mitch. More Mitch. More Star Wars. Uh, let us know, and uh, hope you all have a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, you can uh, tweet at us at Talking Tropes right. or, or comment wherever you find this uh, a link to this uh, yeah. podcast. And uh, next time, I think we're going to be talking about Doctor Who Christmas specials, yes. another world of play and fan fiction, yes. but also much more directly Christmas related. Yes, for uh, sure. So we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.